0: Hey, today we're going to do, do a message on experiencing the power um, of thankfulness and praise. Did you know there's power in thanks, thankfulness and praise? That that thankfulness and praise are not just a given in our culture, in a culture of entitlement, in a culture of I, everything, iPhone, I watch, I, everything. It is not, it is no longer a given that the the, the primary culture of our Life is that of thanksgiving and praise. But how many know that Jesus wants to mess with our culture and give us his culture instead, his kingdom, and what he thinks and who he is? And there's just a story that really illustrates the power of thankfulness and praise, almost like no other story I've ever seen. It's in the Bible, and it's in the the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles or your smartphones, go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 Starting with verse 11. Starting with verse 11. We're just going to walk through this story. The story, the point of the story is very obvious. But how many know it's the obvious ones that so often we just say, oh, been there, done that. But yet we don't live out of the obviousness of what it looks like to participate in life in God's kingdom. We think we need to graduate and move beyond things like gratitude (laughs) or thankfulness. But how many know that class is one we're, we're, we're meant to take for our whole life? Thankfulness and praise. When you're there, can you say amen? amen. Uh, let's stand out of honor for God's word. We'll just read this. I have it on the screen as well, and we'll read it together. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, and they called in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Let's try that loud voice part all together. One, two, three, go. Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priest. Read this last line with me. And as they went, one more time. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. Let me hear you praise God in a loud voice. We'll work on it. We've got a whole message to work on it. He th- and look at this. Not only did he have a loud voice, he threw, look at the language. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. How you- First of all, turn to your neighbor and say, how do you throw yourself? <laughs> like, Someone demonstrate. Throw yourself. (laughs) He threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him. Whoa, revolutionary. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Goosebumps. Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Or literally the language, your faith has saved you. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus over these next few minutes that this story would jump off pages, jump off screens, and penetrate our hearts, mess with our thinking, mess with our outlook on life, break through spirits of entitlement, and God, give us this posture of this foreigner, of just exuberant praise, thrilled to be included in what God is doing through Jesus. God, we thank you for stories that we can find ourselves in that we can, Lord, take inventory and say, whoa, where am I at today? What's God doing? Where's Jesus? So, Lord, I pray for the spirit of just uh, insight and revelation and wisdom to touch your church today. In Jesus' name, we all said amen and amen. Go ahead and sit down. So I'm just going to walk through it. This is one of my favorite ways to preach is to walk through a passage. It's not the only way, but especially stories. Did everyone get the basic gist of the story? Nod your head at me. 10 guys contaminated, isolated, alone, leprosy, infectious skin disease. Jesus is cruising by their area. They heard about Jesus, He has power. How many know He's the same yesterday, today, and forever? And they shout, Have mercy. Have pity. Jesus hears them, doesn't go by them. Even though he healed the leper by touching him in chapter five, this time he doesn't touch him. Just one word of direction and one response of faithful obedience. And as the guys walk away, they get healed. I want you to use your imagination. I'm going to get into some of the nitty-gritty of what leprosy was all about here in a second. But can you imagine having an oozing, pussy, gross, infectious, maybe you lost some limbs because of the disease getting into your nervous system. What does your response as you go? Because Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. What was the first guy's response? Like, whoa, my arm. (laughs) Use your imagination. I mean, you, you hear about this master rabbi, Jesus, he... Have pity. Okay, go show yourself. And as they went, they were cleansed. What was the first guy's response? Dude, my arm's growing back. Or am I? The other dude's like, the wound's closing up. This is freaky. You're supposed to be having fun with me. I mean, <laughs> if you don't find this story amusing, as they went, all of a sudden, I mean, I don't know, it's like a cartoon, like, I mean, that is freaky. Who's had a skin disease? Don't answer, don't raise your hand. Do not raise your hand. But, I mean, that's gotta be cool, right? Whoa, my leg. I could feel, listen, part of leprosy is it it, it zaps your nervous system, so that's why they lose limbs and body parts, because you can't feel things at your extremities. Imagine the first time you're like, whoa, my left thumb. The dexterity starts to return, the tingles. Come on, my kids still, because they're so little, when their foot falls asleep, they freak out. (laughs) So imagine like feeling the blood finally rushing to your fingers and your toes, and you're like, whoa. Are you getting the story? Just this, the 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 beauty, the the unbelievable nature of this story, being shocked by Jesus. Literally. And they all go and they're all cleansed. Ten out of ten. Let me see ten out of ten. Put your ten feet. All ten of them are healed. But you see the story. One out of ten come back to praise Jesus. Right? We're going to get there. That's the story. I just wanted to retell it. I want you to see it. I want you to, I want you to, has anyone been around Fester? I mean, the smell, I mean, as they go, they start being restored and healed. But only one comes back to thank the one who healed them. Right? So let's walk through this. Let's make quick work of this passage. On the way to Jerusalem. Walk with me down this passage. Jesus was going through the region. And beloved, why was Jesus going to Jerusalem? Not a trick question, and I put it on the screen. He's going to die. How many know that Jesus is so amazing that even though he is on the way with one destination in mind, because he's present to God, he knows that God probably has a bunch of many destinations on his way to the destination if he will but posture himself to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. How many have ever experienced that, where you had somewhere to go, but it was on the way to your somewhere to go that God wanted to show up? I got one hand raised. Anybody else? How many know that if Jesus is just, he's just, you know, 951, 1322, he's resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He knows he's, he was born to die, to give his life as, so that he could, you know, die, and we could have salvation and free us and, and and all these wonderful other things that we'll talk about. But as he's going, and I want to say point number one is, Holy Spirit, open our eyes on the way to wherever we're going so that we can see the ways that you're moving on the way. Amen. Jesus has little divine appointments in your life and my life if we will free our calendar up and make space for God to move. Amen. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy. I've already shared a little bit that leprosy was one of the most isolating, shame-filled, socially ostracizing diseases imaginable. The disease infection is hard to nail down. It encompasses everything from a common rash to the gnarly version of leprosy that you lose limbs and all in between. As I studied the disease for the sermon— It's hard to nail it down. What kind of leprosy, what brand, how intense these guys had it, all we know is that they did. We know on top of that, it was highly contagious. Come on, how many know once you start having kids, you are way more aware of all of those other little kids that your friends hang out with start getting sick? There was something that happened when you start having kids that all of a sudden I'm like, I care if your kids are sick. (laughs) Am I talking to any other parent in the house or... So when were they sick? Was it like ten days ago, or six days ago, So leprosy was insanely contagious, right? Now on top of that, so it's isolating, it's shame filled, it's contagious. On top of that, the law, the 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 living words that shaped and formed the people of Israel actually commanded: if you had a skin disease, you had to go outside the camp. So it had this religious sort of stigma. You couldn't you couldn't continue to to uh, participate in the religious and cultural life of your own people. It was, it was, it, it was uh, isolating. Numbers, they send them out, go outside the camp. But on top, on top, on top of that, I think, you see what I did there? No, no one's tracking with me. But on top of that, on top of, on top of that, <laughs> sorry, when I plan things and something funny happens, I include it, even if y'all don't get it on top of on top of on top of that most believe that if you had the disease it was because of your sin are you tracking the the reality the social the cultural the interpersonal the relational the religious this disease was not just oh i've got us it touches you spirit soul and body if you have it in leviticus because part of the cleansing that the priest would pronounce over was offering for sin a sin offering and so many believe these guys had it. How many know we are crummy judges? We always think they have it coming because of this or that until we apply that own rule to our own sin. <laughs> oh, they deserve. It. And so those guys must have done something wrong. It had to have been their choices, their recklessness, their carelessness. This is the stigma of being a leper. Back to our story. When he saw them, the lepers, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. And I want to say point number two, Jesus can see outside of the camp and his loving gaze sees your desperate condition and he's not afraid of your sickness. Right, these guys are socially ostracized. They're on the outskirts. We listen. Uh, the law demanded in Leviticus 13 and 14 and Numbers 5 that everywhere you went, because of this disease and because it was all about sort of uh, ceremonial clean, cleanliness, you had to shout unclean, unclean, unclean. Imagine having to shout unclean everywhere you went. Are you tracking with what's probably going on in these guys' lives? Deep brokenness, deep shame. Have you been there? Maybe you didn't go out shouting unclean, but everywhere you went, has anyone felt that? Like, man, everywhere, unclean, unclean, unclean. And I want you to know that Jesus, the the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus doesn't stand on the outside and say, get your act together and then you can come to me. No, he comes outside of the camp, Hebrews 13, 12 through 14, in our brokenness and shame and sin. And his love reaches us there. There's no place beyond the reach of his loving gaze. And look, at with one word, go show yourself to the priest. They went. And did you know that one word received by faith from Jesus can change your whole story? Do I have anyone that would testify today? One word. A word like, Son. A word like daughter. A word like come. A word like free. A word like forgiven. One word from Jesus can change your whole story. And I want you to see this as they went they were healed. Say it with me. As they went, they were healed. Look at me. As they went, still infected, isolated, and contagious. Did you know that he's not saying figure out your mess first, receive my word, put your trust in my word, no matter your condition, you can trust that my word has power to affect the purpose for which I sent it. As they went, I don't know how many steps, the Bible doesn't tell us, after the 15th step or after the first quarter mile or half mile or kilometer or stadia or cubit, whatever measurement they used in Jesus' day. But as they went, still infected, how many know that when we come to Jesus and we begin to come out of our shame and bondage, sometimes our heads and our bodies and our mindsets take many, many weeks or days or months to catch up with what actually happened to us when we trusted in Jesus? How many know sometimes you still feel like, man, I don't really feel that extremity yet because you spent so much of your life living as a leper, isolated or shame-filled. And Jesus says, it doesn't matter what you feel like, trust my word and continue to go. Even in your infection and your contagious state. And some of you may be here today, you're wondering, why am I still stuck? Why is this sin, or this habit, or this addiction? Why is it still a struggle? What's going on? Why can I not break free from its captivity and stranglehold? Why is this relationship still so painful and difficult? Why is there so much drama in my life? Come on, how many hate drama? As they went. Beloved, healing and breakthrough often only come as we move out in obedience, even if it's only a step that we take. God is looking for that step of yes. One step. And many of us are saying, I hear about Jesus, he's passing by, but how many know that word to go and the power behind that word would not be appropriated had the boys not gone out and what they knew and walked in the direction of obedience. And many of us are going, I don't know. I don't know how to get out of that. One of my mentors, obey the last thing he said. You don't have to know what the word is for tomorrow. What's the word for today? Or maybe you're here today. What was the word for yesterday that you still haven't got around to saying yes to? Am I talking to anyone today? The cleansing took place as they went. Some of us need to what? Move with a yes in our heart. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, remember, I just can't imagine. Whoa. Turn back. Someone say, Turn back. That's a good word right there. Praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. One out of ten thought it'd be a good idea to thank Jesus for healing him. Some of you are like, Man, those people. The problem with us on this side of the cross resurrection outpour of the spirit we always read ourselves into the good people of the story. <laughs> we have the luxury. Oh those primitive they just missed it. They Come on somebody. I'm going to preach this morning. 1 out of 10. Yet how many times Have I been that stingy little four-year-old, even though daddy keeps giving gifts, I have gift-giving and receiving amnesia, and I forget to stop in the midst of my asking for the next, the bigger, the more, and say, you know what, Father, you are good. Thank you. You see, Jesus can heal your outside, but what Jesus is always after is all of you. There have been many people because of the general grace and kindness and mercy of our God, the, the mercy that meets us every morning that we wake up, the sun that touches our skin for the first time outside the door. There are many people who receive this this outward generosity and kindness and blessing, but the vast majority in the ballpark of the 90% fail to realize who it's from, and therefore that gift is terminated on ourselves, and and then, oh, I love this, I I talked to someone, I won't say their name, they don't go here, but... They thought they were the ones that got the raise and got the, how many know that's how the world lives? We think we got to protect ourselves. We've got to make something of ourselves. And did you know the kingdom is to be received and explored through faith? And you say, well, that mindset doesn't apply to believers. Bologna. It's not just unbelievers. Many of us forget how good God is and how good he's been to us. The story infers that nine of the ten lepers were Jewish. That's why Luke goes out of the way to say he's a Samaritan. And here's here's why I think this story applies to believers. Their story is the story of God intervening, saving, healing, restoring from Egypt and exile to Babylon, Egypt and exodus to Babylon. How many know sometimes because he's been so good, I forget how good he really is until I get outside of that sphere of goodness and go, whoa, maybe I should praise a little more. Come on, am I talking to anybody? Of course God can do that. Of course he heals. Of course he forgives. Of course every time I run home after spending a season in the pig pen, his arms are up. Listen, how many know God never wants the reception of his grace and pardon and mercy to ever become passe? he always wants it to shock us. He always wants us to live out of this posture of the foreigner. I can't believe that Jesus had mercy on me. In fact, most of the counseling, premarital and postmarital, and intermarital, whatever, wherever you're at, most of the time we forget, we judge the other's sin, and we forget that we ourselves are desperately needy of the mercy that we're withholding from the other party. Yes, yeah. I don't want to say that. Yes. Not the Samaritan. He's the underdog, the half-breed, the outsider, the foreigner. He's known exclusion and isolation his whole life. His whole life, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners for the covenant, the promise, without hope, without God in the world. How many know that is all of our posture and position apart from the generous grace and mercy of Jesus? So the Samaritan can't believe that Jesus the master healed him. He's shocked. He's not entitled. He knows he's not deserving. He knows he's not good enough, and his Ancestry.com report did not land him on the inside of God's covenantal blessings. He knows it. And I want you to know, if you do not read, unless you are actually from uh, uh, ethnically Jewish, listen, we are those who are far from God, that apart from Jesus have been included in what God's doing in the world. That's us. Why does he make note of of his ethnicity? Because in God's kingdom, it's always the unlikely, the unexpected who get it. It's always the underdog, the people that we write off, but that God is trying to write into his story through Jesus. People like you and me. And Jesus asked, we're not all ten made clean. Where is the other nine? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now, the bummer is we don't live in sort of Jew, uh, Jewish and uh, Samaritan quabbles. So I listened to a sermon of a mentor. Who do you think of when you think, no way they'd be included? Don't say it out loud. One of my guys I listened to said a, a, a Taliban pa- uh, pedophile. I, that's how shocking it. I don't Because Samaritan, you and I are like, well, okay but who in our day would we say there's no way God would forgive and include? I'm not gonna fill in the blank for you. But if our vision of the welcoming, radical scope of God's forgiveness and mercy revealed in and through Jesus does not encompass even those we have woefully misestimated the power of God's love and grace to forgive and to heal and to restore. That's what, this foreigner, except this foreigner, who do you write off? Who do I write off? Who do I say there's no way? Everyone else, but not them. And Jesus sort of comes right into that thinking, and he confronts us with his mercy. How many know none of us had a leg up on anyone else ever who's ever gotten into the kingdom? Come on, someone needs to hear that. None of us, no matter what side of the street you were born on, no matter what your grades were, none of us had a leg up on entrance into God's kingdom. It was all because of his mercy and grace. There's there's no person who's, I got to step up. Well, I'm not as bad. Anytime we go into that realm, we actually cut ourselves from the grace that's trying to draw us into forgiveness and healing. I can't. And the reality is entitlement's the real disease that needs healing in us. Entitlement is the slow disease that kills your soul. It kills your mindset. I deserve, did you know God doesn't owe us a thing? It's so funny, I, I, I bought, a, uh, bought a new commentary yesterday. My wife's like, don't you have like 800? Yeah, but you always need more. I don't know why. That's what I do. I study and I like to, that's what we do. It's like you buying a golf club or something. I don't know. But on iBook, under religion and spirituality, I'm not saying that you shouldn't buy this book and if you bought it, don't be mad at me. But it's funny, like the number two book in all of iBook is 10 prayers that God has to answer. <laughs> I'm not hating if you have it. I love that God answers prayer. But anything that says, if we do this, this, and this, God has to do this. How many know we're not God in the equation? He is. I'm not listen there are kingdom principles there are repentance proceeds breakthrough and refreshment acts 319 I know how it all sort of semi works but guys we never are on the end of God owes me this, this this the only thing we are owed is the penalty for our filthiness and sin and what he gives us through mercy grace redemption and cleansing and adoption and all of the other beautiful huge theologically rich terms those are all because he's just that good he is so good He is so much better than we can. God is never in our debt. He is never hanging on a line that he owes us some sort of response. To choose that posture is to put yourself in the place of God and it's still eating from the forbidden fruit that you think you know better than him. That's hard preaching, but it's true. And the moment we think he owes or he's in our debt instead of us being the poor foreigner Samaritan. We miss out on receiving the fresh thing he wants to give us. (laughs) Do you see it? I'm not going to go into that because it's really good. He just says, after you go in from the field and you wait on me, do you think the master will say, great job, servant? No, he'll say, get me my food. I know you worked all day. Listen, there's like this false teaching. I am all for identity. I have all of them. I like them memorized. But did you know at the end of the day, we really are servants who we had no right to be included in his kingdom. But because of his love, he invites us in. After you've done all of you. Listen, this kills us. This entitlements that slow disease. When we realize that we apart from anything, we are unworthy servants. But at least we're serving the living God. <laughs> I know you're a son, and you're adopted, and you're royal. I agree with all those other Bible verses, too. This is in the Bible, too, though. Unworthy servants is an unpopular opinion today, but it is true of all of us who are in Christ. And the Samaritan knew it. All ten were healed as they went. Whoa! The only one, the one who found himself outside of God's saving story because of his ethnicity, Nine out of ten settled for being clean, and many people stop here because they think the main problem in their life is situational or circumstantial. This will preach right here. If I, if I just got a little bit better job, if I, man, if that relation, if that person would just get their act together, am I talking to anyone today? If they would, come on somebody, I'm, am I reading your script today? If, if I just had a little more, if I, how many know, God cares about situations, circumstances, and symptoms, but he's always after deeper. The nine out of ten, we're happy. I'm clean. I'm restored to community. I don't have to go around saying unclean, unclean anymore. The priest would give me the word of pardon and restore me to my family life. And how many know those are good things? Those are God-ordained, given, gift things. But did you know that Jesus wants to touch you beyond just changing your circumstances? He wants to change your nature. He doesn't just want you to be made well with a touch. He wants you to be saved. He wants his redemptive plan and power to touch every fiber of your being, every cell, every DNA strand. He wants it pulsating with his life. One guy comes back, and he doesn't just get made clean. He gets made well. His whole body, his mind, his emotions, he got an upgrade. He got Jesus. And how many of us stop short because we don't take the things God's given us and bring them back to Jesus to say, man, you're so good. I'm just thankful. I can't believe I even get to be a part of what you're doing. Because in that posture of thankfulness and praise, he wants to pronounce another word over your life. You're well. You're whole. What was it that led the foreigner? Remember, fill in the blank of what that, the most scandalous picture, that's what that would evoke in in Luke's hearers. Foreigner. Well, no way they're included. What was it that led to his transformation? Jesus. And a posture of thankfulness and praise. Uh, My wife and I, before we had kids, we vacationed in Kansas. You don't have to feel sorry for us. (laughs) Because that's where my whole family's from. Now we have kids, we don't vacation, so. (laughs) Okay, you can feel sorry for us now. But one of my best friends, I won't go there. That would be in the flesh. I want to stay in the spirit. So. Come talk to me if you want to know what I was just about ready to say. Make a note, because then it'll be in the spirit, because you sought it out of me, not me the other way around. Okay. Hallelujah. But in in the, the guest bedroom where my wife and I would always stay, my mom is such a good decorator. I just love my mom. She's the most generous person I've ever met in my whole life. And so, of course, she would have this sign over the window. This, this quote from this poem, thou that hast given us so much to me, give me one more thing, a grateful heart. And I'd see it every time I went home and of course my mom would have that. The most generous person I know on the planet, God, I know you've given so much, but if you could just one more thing, give me a grateful heart. Don't let me be entitled. I love this. I'll end with this. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, turned back, praised God in a loud voice. Some of you are getting better at that. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, you're getting better at that. But what's so interesting is, see, many of us, we, we think worship's about style or preference or standing. or. But look at that language, prosukami, right? This prostration. It's hard to think about I don't know if I like the song or not, or it's not really my style or my thing, but are they done yet? Gosh, it goes on forever. the music. Uh. How many have ever been in a season of being prostrated at Jesus' feet and you just knew? You know what that says to me? The Jesus Master who had mercy is now the Jesus Master. Lead me. You see why he left saved? Jesus Master, thank you for having mercy, but that prostration, that humility, that surrender. It's now Jesus, master, lead me. You see, because of my ethnicity, because of my upbringing, there was no way I would be included in what you're doing. But because of your grace and your love and mercy, you've included me. You've allowed me to come back and to offer this thankful gift of praise. You've even allowed me to prostrate. And listen, if you go through Luke's gospel, everyone who got to Jesus' feet got something really good. (laughs) like forgiveness and healing and freedom. and How many know there is room for every person on the planet at the feet of Jesus, but so few of us take him up on his offer to come? Prostration. I mean, you know what I found out is those who realize how messed up they were and they realized that God actually would give them another chance, they usually didn't get the memo that worship was supposed to be sort of prim and properly and dignified. If you just do a little Bible, that little study, David, after he saw what happened when God moved his spirit from his predecessor, Saul, when he had another chance to bring the ark of God's glory back, he forgot to listen to the voices that says your worship should be prim and proper and dignified because the fact that God in his mercy would allow his glory to come back to Israel, David didn't know what else to do but with all of his might to dance and to sing and shout that God would have mercy on him that God would give him another go, give him another chance. Beloved, entitlement kills us, and if we lose the wonder of the the, the scandalous nature of his grace, that while we were still sinners, God in Christ died for us to bring us into his family, you and I will miss out. We will miss out on what Jesus is doing all around us. We'll miss it. So where is the posture? Where is the place of revelation? Where is the place? It's at the feet of Jesus. Katie talked about a lifestyle of prayer last week. Amazing. Teach us to pray. Well, how many know worship and prayer are the same coin, different sides? You pray at his feet. You worship at his feet. And when you don't know what else to pray, you start praising. And when you're praising, you start seeing the fear. You start interceding. You just keep going back from praise and petition. Praise and petition all at the feet of Jesus. Master, you've had mercy on me, but now, Master, guide me and lead me. I'm yours. And when we live out of this posture at the feet of Jesus, beloved, transformation never stops. We go from glory to glory to glory. Come on. No? Okay. (laughs) If you live a lifestyle of at the feet of Jesus, His transformation never stops all the way until he splits the sky and all of us take our crowns. All that we ever did, we take those crowns and we throw them at his feet. Between now and that feet session, let's live at his feet. Let's live there. Let's allow the spirit to kill entitlement break through our brokenness, let's just come back to Jesus and say, Jesus, you are so good. I can't believe you would include me in what you're doing. (laughs) I can't believe you would forgive me, that you would heal me, that you would save me, that, God, you would allow me even to come into your sphere, your presence, without zapping me. How's your heart stirred this morning? Are you stirred up to live out of that posture of thankfulness and praise. The great thing is because in many of Jesus' stories, he always uses the, like the, if you saw like a scatter plot, you know, he always chooses the dot that's way away from the clump. You know why? Because he wants everyone to know they're included in what he's doing if they'll just come to Jesus, wherever state they're in. He cho- of course, he chooses the foreigner, the one no one would think would be included, so that all of us who write ourselves out of his story realize that God and Christ has written us in. <laughs> that was a good golf clap. That was good, not bad. So, yeah, I love the Bible and I love Jesus. He's my favorite. You can read it every day, all day, throughout the day. Listen to it on audiobook. It doesn't matter. You can just be immersed in the story of Jesus. Application time. I think there was other application times in between, but who have you written off? I don't know what next Thursday is. Thanksgiving. Who's the oddball in the fam? The, the foreigner. Who are those? Oh, we don't invite, we don't they're the Samaritan in our family. (laughs) Honesty is the first step, brother. (laughs) Who have you written off and put in the category as a candidate for God's wrath instead of a candidate for God's mercy and forgiveness? Jesus messes with our categories, beloved. In the story, are you the Samaritan? Do you live the at the feet of Jesus lifestyle? I can't believe I'm even in the door, in the house. Or are you the other nine out of 10? Only you can answer it. Did you know if you find yourself in the nine, that number can shrink by the grace of God? It can go down to eight. Does praise and thankfulness describe the culture of your heart? Or does entitlement, resentment, bitterness me more? Do you view yourself more out of a place of God owes me? Or do you view yourself more out of the place of I can't believe God accepts my offering? This is crazy. Help me out crap is going here's a good one here's a good one without the huge break when's the last time you prostrated yourself before Jesus (laughs) it's not funny I'm trying to I'm trying to be spiritual here people When's the last time this sermon is over? <laughs> They're gone. They are gone. How many do you know that are outside the camp need to get inside of the room and feed a GSK? I'm just trying to read through all these so that no one. <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> I don't know what you are implying that sound is. I'll let you just have. Your <laughs> let us pray. <laughs> oh, wow. This is not going to get better. This is better already. How many How many right now do you know that live outside of the camp that need to know that there's room for them at the feet of Jesus? How many? I wrote this little poem. I was going to write a song about this passage, but I ran out of time because I had to parent. which is a great, noble thing. (laughs) But I did start writing it. These are only two phrases. I can't believe I have access to Jesus' feet. I can't believe there's a place at the table for me. And I want you to know that you have access today can come to the feet of Jesus. You are invited in. No matter how many people have been writing you off, your whole story can be changed with one word from Jesus. I don't know about you, I wanna live at his feet. The second entitlement he owes me or if I did all this for you, I just want the Holy Spirit to go, hey, dude, Everything is gift. Everything is grace. Never forget. Stand up on your feet with me. Those who know their own brokenness, when they realize that God doesn't write them off because of their brokenness, they generally are those who forgot the memo that worship should be dignified. (laughs) How many today want to be a church and be a people that say, when it comes to him, I want to be completely unbalanced? (laughs) I don't ever want to get entitled. I don't ever, he has to, every time I show up and I realize that there's room at the feet of Jesus for me, I want his, I want his love and his grace to just cut me like an arrow, cut me open again so that I can just be a receiver. And I can be one who just pours out praise and thanksgiving in return. They told me I had to preach a little bit longer because the turkey wasn't ready. So you're welcome. (laughs) I did have a shorter word. How many are challenged this morning by the word? Just raise your hand. I'm challenged to live this posture of praise and thankfulness. I'm telling you, he's better and gooder than we could ever comprehend. Turn to your neighbor and say, gooder's not a word. (laughs) Chad obviously needs to read more books (laughs) on grammar. Put your hand on your heart. Every excuse in there that says you're not wanted, you're not loved, you're not included, is actually not a legitimate excuse from heaven's eyes. Everything in there that says, I'm a foreigner. He doesn't know my past. You know, he knows it. He died for it. He rose and conquered it so that he could give you a new life today. Every excuse in there. It's not an excuse from his eyes. Come to the feet of Jesus. The master who has mercy on us today is also the master who will guide and lead us every step of the way. All we got to do is live at his feet. And his feet smell good. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Smell like redemption. His feet he conquered. And he crushed the devil. (laughs) So that whatever barrier there ever was has been broken through. So right now, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. I want... I want to receive this mercy today. I want to receive this grace. I want to receive this healing. I want to receive the fresh start. I want to receive the do-over. I want to receive the the new identity that doesn't just say I'm clean, but it says I'm saved and I'm whole and I'm well. So, Lord, I pray for my church, the church that is your church, that I'm just one of your under-shepherds. But, Lord, I just declare healing in the heart, healing in the mind, healing in the body, restoration. God, we want to become a church like the Samaritan that lives at the feet of Jesus. And the master who has mercy is the master who will guide and lead us. God, we thank you for the food we're about to eat. Come on, somebody. For the turkey and for the dressing or the stuffing, whatever part of the country you grew up in. For the mashed potatoes. Let's have a moment. The homemade cranberry or the canned cranberry sauce, Lord. We'll forgive them. We love them. God, thank you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I pray that joy would just ooze out over every table that we just go sit around. I pray for friendships to be formed. I pray for outsiders to find themselves included. And Lord, I pray more than anything, we would have a revelation of your goodness today as we give thanks. In Jesus' name, we all shouted, Amen. 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 Come on, lift up a roar of praise to the Lord.